Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season six, episode Ten. Wow. We've made it to the peak, the end of season six. Hard to believe. And it just flew by. We're coming to you today again, still recording this from Colorado Springs, home of, bet you didn't know this, a famous tuberculosis sanitarium back in the day. And uh, part of the story of finding uh, treatments for tuberculosis so that it isn't such a big deal today. I read at one time that 30% of the population of Colorado Springs was uh, tuberculosis, people suffering with uh, tuberculosis. My uncle, when he was a teenager, came here in the 1930s to recover from uh, tuberculosis. So that's your interesting factoid of the day about Colorado Springs. I'm Terry, church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan. Uh, Director of Multiplication, Eastern PA, uh, and I'm just thankful to be here today, finishing up a great season. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and I'm Caitlin Guyberson, Equipping You producer, and reminiscing on the fact that all good things must come to an end. They must, and season six is a good thing. This is not Caitlin's full-time job, by the way, just no. in case you were wondering. <laughs> Sometimes I wish it was. It'd be way easier. Yeah. <laughs> she does a lot of stuff related to uh, the web and social media and communications, for the Alliance, and uh, we appreciate that she's part of this team as well. We're pleased to welcome uh, a guest today by the name of Jim Rudd, who is a great friend to Alan and me, and a lead pastor at True Vine Church uh, Community in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, we're doing something new here today. We are uh, doing Alan, something so talk new. About that yeah, a bit. we thought it would be great to introduce. Uh, really just biographical interviews uh, with Alliance pastors and just to say, what's your story? Uh, and what have you learned in your ministry journey? And how's God's working through you? Grab yourself a big glass of grapefruit juice. Is it red? Yeah, red okay. grapefruit juice. Okay. And that is the drink of choice for Rosilio Roman, our assistant vice president <laughs> for Church Advance and multicultural ministries. Whoa, if you're on cholesterol medication, put that glass down. You're not allowed to drink it. Oh my goodness. In either case, sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash Equipping You Community. Or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on Equipping You Community. We can't wait to see you there. And it's our privilege to welcome to Equipping You Podcast uh, today, 
Jim Rudd. Jim, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So we're kicking off a new kind of podcast interview for us, kind of a biographical interview with Alliance Pastors, and you're the first uh, guest. So uh, start by, uh, if you would, giving us a snapshot of your growing up years, and how'd you come to know Jesus? Yeah, uh, well, uh, I was born at a young age. Uh, I'm from (laughs) Sagertown, Pennsylvania, which is a small town in northwestern Pennsylvania, when I lived there, it was only about a thousand people. It's still pretty much that size. So about a thousand people in Sagertown and lived there my whole you know childhood and you know went to the same elementary school, high school, all the way through. In uh, I guess I was probably in about seventh grade, 1994. My parents were going through a uh, separation and divorce and during that time, you know, like any other family that's going through something like that, it's it's like a time of family crisis, and it causes people to reevaluate things. So my mother uh, decided that we were going to be a church family and start attending a church, and we hopped around and looked at a few churches or visited a few churches, Episcopal churches and other things, and we ended up at a church in Segertown called Pleasant View Alliance Church. All right. All right. And uh, I think we were attending Pleasant View uh, not, not much longer than a month before I heard enough of the gospel to respond, I didn't know everything about the gospel like I do now, (laughs) uh, but I knew enough to respond. And so I guess that was in 1995 uh, through the ministry of Pleasant View Alliance Church. So I was in the, you know, in the middle of a family crisis and uh, made it as as much as a 13 year old can trust Jesus. That's what I did. Well, thank you. The Lord, it doesn't take a lot of faith to get started. No, nope. just, just enough, right. just enough. So, uh, well, we're having you on today because you're an Alliance pastor. So, tell us about your call to ministry. Well, yeah. So, we connected with a local camp um, called Edinburgh Youth Camp. Um, so, it's that's a Christian Missionary Alliance camp yeah. in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, and I only lived like 15 minutes from it. So. Uh, we started attending Edinburgh camp and I went there for a couple years and I don't remember exactly what the year was, but you know, every year there was an opportunity for people that felt called to, I think that the phrase was, if you feel called to serve the Lord in full-time ministry as either a pastor or missionary, please come forward. Um, so it was probably around 1998 that in one of those services, I did feel like the Lord was prompted me to respond and was calling me to ministry. So I was probably about a junior in high school. And, uh, you know, I was familiar with a little bit familiar with the Christian Missionary Alliance and some of the colleges. And I had been to like Global Impact in Pittsburgh and some of those at ACAC. I actually attended council with President Rambo when I was in high school. That's like the highlight of every high schooler's uh, experiences to attend council. Absolutely. And, uh, I think I, I think I remember that right. So yeah, I was at a, uh, an Alliance youth camp in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania that I felt like called to ministry and that was cultivated through the church or churches that I participated in. At that point we were attending a Meadville Alliance church and the pastor's name is Jeff Conley. He's still uh, the pastor when I was in high school. Is still there, 
Yep. And he cultivated that, took an interest in a, you know, 17-year-old kid who felt called to ministry and let me preach on a Sunday morning. Wow. So I question that decision. <laughs> um, that on a was Sunday morning, the especially. worst sermon I've ever preached. <laughs> I'm still embarrassed by it. Is it on cassette um, somewhere? It is on cassette. I'm the only one that has a copy. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to stay that way. <laughs> he said to me, <laughs> Pastor Jeff said, well, make it obvious when you're done, and I'll come up and pray. <laughs> so when I got to the end of my notes, I said, Pastor Jeff, I'm done. There you go. That was obvious. And obvious. He did his job. He came up and prayed. At that point, I was like, maybe I'm not called to this. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, but he, you know, poured into as much as he could uh, a, you know, a high school student who felt called to be a pastor. I interned there uh, when I was in college, and uh, – it was a great experience, and I appreciate you know that he took a chance. That's great. That's a beautiful thing. It is. You know, it is. that's what we need to see happening all across the alliance. I see in you. We heard in an earlier podcast uh, interview. So, uh, tell us about your wife Kendra, and uh, why in the world she would have married you. <laughs> and uh, tell us about your family. I know that because this is a podcast, the listeners can't see my face, but if they could, it would be obvious why she married me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, the manly beard. <laughs> Kendra and I met at, uh, we met in church in a high school Sunday school class at Meadville Alliance, and we had zero interest in one another, <laughs> but we ended up crossing paths a lot. We went to different high schools, but, you know, we lived in the same general area, saw each other at church. We ended up both going to Nyack College, uh, working at the same summer camp, just, you know, crossing paths a lot. And I wore her down. And, uh, <laughs> so your good looks her. weren't enough then in the beginning, you're yeah, saying. Right. I convinced <laughs> her to go on a date, and we started uh, dating the summer before our senior year of college. We got married in 2005. Uh, we have three kids, Aiden, Emma, and Josiah, uh, 10, 7, and 2. That's a nice, yeah. nice long yeah. gap. So, Aiden, where did you come up with that name? Yeah. Aiden is named after A.W. Tozer, um, and he knows that. Aiden, Aiden Rudd knows that. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about maybe that Tozer knows later. that. We don't know that right now for sure. He might be aware somehow. In my conversations with Tozer, he has not brought it up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Let me make a note to talk to my LOCC. Yeah, when we get home. yeah. Wow. Wow. My in laws, coincidentally, this just total coincidence, my in laws live 20 minutes from Tozer's grave. So I will frequently visit it when we're visiting, and I think they have questions about, you know, what am I doing there so frequently? Yes, so. yes. And I know at one point in Aiden's life, he could name all of the, and I can't yeah. even do this, name all of the presidents of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Can he still do that? I don't think he can. I think he could name more than the average Alliance pastor That's could, but sure. he can't yeah. name them all. But yeah, yeah he, he had memorized, you know, we had a uh, PowerPoint, and we would just throw up their uh, pictures and he could name them. Oh my goodness. There's and, no uh, do that. he was probably three at the point and he did have a hard time with president Stumbo. He called him president yogurt. <laughs> I think that has to do with president Stumbo's testimony of healing. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He must've seen that in that video or, or something. I don't know, but yeah. 
we corrected him. It's President Stumbo. Oh, yes. that's I'm, that's such an important thing. So glad you did that. Yes. So, uh, you know, we mentioned this is a new kind of uh, podcast doing these bio, biographical interviews here. And uh, I think Terry might be disappointed that our first guest for this interview is not a Tacoa Falls graduate. He did not have the grades to get in. So, so he uh, had to go to Nyack instead. Okay. So uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, Jim, tell us about how Nyack College prepared you for ministry. And uh, feel free to embellish for Terry's sake. <laughs> mm. I'd like to start with a story. I can't wait. Many, many years ago, we had a youth group visit us in Philadelphia. So I took them downtown uh, to show them the Liberty Bell. And they were shocked at how many American flags there were and how patriotic Philadelphia was. And they said, boy, Pastor Jim, Philadelphia must be the most American city that there is. And I put my arm around this kid and I said, listen, buddy, Philadelphia is not an American city. America is a Philadelphian country. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about the Christian Missionary Alliance in Nyack. Uh, Nyack is not a CMA school. The CMA is a Nyackian denomination. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. Holy. I've never heard you say it like I that before. I have not either. Nyackian. took a long time to get to that point, but wow. I'm a pastor. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, my wife and I both went to Nyack from 2000 to 2004. I was a Bible and pastoral ministries major. And I knew that that's what I would be doing going in. So I, you know, I was jumped right in and I actually received a phone call my senior year of high school from the head of the pastoral ministries department, who's uh, at that time was Dr. Ron Walborn, because he's from the same town I'm from. And uh, I think he was shocked that anyone was coming uh, from that town. So, you know, Ron Walborn, Frank Chan were the professors that I had the most, uh, had a huge impact on me. Probably the two things that I took away from Nyack that prepared me for ministry the most would be developing a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Mm, good. Um, you know, our classes, you know, we, we learned how to do deliverance. We learned how to pray for the sick. Uh, we learned how to move in spiritual gifts. I, you know, I didn't know how to do a funeral when I graduated, but I knew how to pray for the sick and do deliverance and, and things like that. So developing a reliance upon and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And then also at Nyack, learning how to minister in a diverse uh, setting. Yeah. So I don't, it might still be the case. I'm not sure. But when, when I was at Nyack, it was the most diverse Christian college in the United States. I think it actually won an award for that in 2001. And so that was called like a culture shock for me coming from a small town in Northwestern Pennsylvania, but it was a culture shock that I needed to have. I didn't know at the time that that would be preparing me to live in Philadelphia and minister in Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, pre preparing me to rely on the Holy Spirit and to do that in a diverse setting, probably like the best things I took away from my time at Nyack That's and cool. a wife. Yeah. And a wife. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. There's spiritual fervor there on that campus yeah. still to this day. And I uh, greatly appreciate that. So tell us about the first church uh, where you served in full-time ministry, Jim, and, mm -hmm. and uh, what did God do in your life to shape you there? Well, while I was a student at Nyack, I was attending Risen King Alliance Church in New City, New York, which is just 10 or 15 minutes away from Nyack's campus. And so I was a, while I was a student there, I was a youth leader and I 
preached there on a Sunday morning and volunteered. And so when I was graduating, they had just hired a new pastor named Mike Plunkett, who is still there. It's, you know, 16 or 17 years later. And uh, he needed an assistant pastor and I needed a job and I had a little bit of experience there and we seemed to get along really well. So that was my first ministry straight out of Nyack. Uh, straight out of Nyack. Was at Risen King Alliance Church in New City, New York, uh, and really loved that experience, loved working with the staff. You know, my wife and I still have fond memories of that church. We've, you know, gone back and visited, preached there, you know, uh, gone back and preached there, and they actually were really, really supportive when we moved to Philadelphia. Almost strangely supportive uh, for us to move away. There you go. Um, there you go. But they really, they really were like supportive of the church plant in Philadelphia that we were leaving to establish, and prayed for us, gave, sent people to work, did all that stuff. That's fantastic. Love to hear that kind of stuff. That's the way it should be in the it kingdom is. of God. It is the way um, it should be. So you've already mentioned your home church pastor, Jeff Conley. You've mentioned in some couple of Nyack professors and Mike Plunkett at Risen King. Uh, who else uh, has really been influential in your growth as a person and as a pastor? Well, we kind of alluded to this already, but I do really appreciate A.W. Tozer. Um, you know, when I was in high school, someone gave me the pursuit of God, and I didn't know that A.W. Tozer was an Alliance pastor, and I don't know that I would have cared at that point, but I really jived with the pursuit of God, that book. Just over time, I guess my appreciation. So, you know, I've heard a couple sermons. I've I've read almost anything Tozer's ever written. For some reason, I just click with what he writes. You know, I love that shrill, high preaching voice that he has (laughs) that cuts through. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so uh, Tozer is... Tozer was a big influence um, among the living. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I said, Ron Walborn, Frank Chan, Jeff Conley, uh, Mike Plunkett, but probably uh, Fred Hartley, who's an Alliance pastor in Lilburn, uh, Georgia. Fred is, I would still consider uh, a mentor of mine. Um, He has opened up his life and his home to me. I've been able to go for a while. I was going every year and living in his house for a week. Um, to attend conferences and seminars at his church, regular phone calls. He's been to our church on multiple occasions. Um, so Fred has been a big influence on me. More recently, in the area of just like ministry coaching, I spent about a year in a coaching relationship with Rock Dilliman mm. that was really helpful. Just getting a like yeah. a grasp of urban ministry and talking about some of the unique dynamics there. I, prior to that, I had... Uh, some fellow named Terry Smith, mm. who coached me for years. Tough hurdle to get over. Yep. And then he got uh, demoted or promoted. <laughs> and then the last guy, it was not a pastor, but was a really good leader. He is from uh, this neck of the woods, northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, he was actually a manager, uh, so kind of in the um, business world. Uh, his name is um, Mike Scott, and he was oh managing like a paper company. Oh my goodness! In uh, northeastern I Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things he taught me was to uh, you want people to fear how much they love you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so valuable. 
fear how much they yeah, love you. Oh funny. my goodness, Jim! If you're not careful, I'm going to put the uh, YouTube link to your visit to the uh, Scranton baseball stadium uh, oh, in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, then we'll see your A.W. Tozer preaching voice. Yes, it gets very shrill during that. <laughs> yeah. So now you're in the city of Philadelphia, in uh, yeah. east, Eastern PA. What what led you to the city of brotherly love? Well, around 2008, my wife and I, and this is while we were serving at Risen King Alliance, we just kind of felt like the Lord was moving us to the next season. So there was really no reason to leave where we currently were other than a sense of calling. So, But we didn't know. We, we had a sense it was church planting, but we didn't know where. So I just unrolled a map in my office, which probably should have been like a warning to the rest oh. of the staff. Uh, and I just started praying over that map. And I remember one day, Philadelphia just kind of jumped off the map. It looked like the font was bigger. And I went home that night and I told my wife, what would you think of planting a church in Philadelphia? And she was receptive to it. The very next day, I was in my office and uh, a guy came in from our church and he said, I just heard the Alliance is looking for a church planter in Philadelphia. Wouldn't that be kind of neat? And wow. I was like, wow, that's incredible. So Within wow. an hour, I was on the phone trying to figure out more about that. And, uh, you know, I jumped on that pretty quickly. And that started a process of, so uh, we moved to Philadelphia in, I think, May of 2008 to plant a church. I still remember the day that uh, you came to our church uh, when you were just getting started planting yep. True Vine and, and shared my church. Uh, what God was doing there. And uh, it was really I appreciated that as it was great to be in kind of in the ground roots uh, of what was going on. So in 2008, we moved to Philadelphia to plant this church. There had been an Alliance church in the neighborhood of Wissanoming, but the church had closed. And so we uh, kind of had an empty building and we just started from scratch by developing a core team, uh, connecting with people in the community. It took about a year to get to 40 people, but once we had, about 40 people, we started having Sunday morning services, and then we've just kind of slowly and steadily grown since then. So uh, tell us, when you felt that call and knew you were going to Philadelphia, what did you expect when you moved to Philadelphia to plant a church? At the time, I was 26, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how your motives were when you were 26, but mine weren't <laughs> totally pure. <laughs> I really thought we were going to go do some trendy, cool, hip ministry. Um, you know, I had looked into the neighborhood we were going to, and it really wasn't that far from the trendy, cool neighborhoods in Philadelphia. And I thought, oh, surely, you know, I, be I should get some tighter jeans and thicker glasses because <laughs> I'm going to need them. And... Uh, instead, what we discovered was a neighborhood in a major transition with a super high poverty rate. And so it's been very different than what we initially expected. But I think at this point, my wife and I would agree we would not have it any other way. Hmm. So uh, we know you have dozens of great ministry stories from your years in Philadelphia. Jim, uh, tell us one or two that really stands out. Well, before I jump into a story or two, just two things that I love is uh, – our church is 50%, it's, it's really diverse, 50% non-Anglo, 15 different birth nations represented in the congregation. Um, so that's something I didn't expect. Maybe I should have, um, but I love that. And also, our church is about 13 years old, and this year we will be sending out our fifth 
family as missionaries or international workers. I don't mean short-term, like long-term families moving overseas. So we have five families that have been sent out, three of them Great. through the Alliance. I love that too. Um, that's, there's, Amen. You know, that's dozens of stories to come to that conclusion. But yep. Really good people too that you've sent out. Yes. Something that someone should write a book about, Terry, is how when you send out your best leaders, uh, it slows everything down. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but that's for another day. Uh, I talk about one of my sometimes. favorite stories, and th- I really thought about what stories to share. But I've, some of them I think are still sensitive and still in process, and so I'm going to try to tell one that's upbeat. Um, about five years ago, I had a friend in Philadelphia who was also a pastor, and he was just kept reading through the New Testament, reading through the Book of Acts, and was getting hungrier for the Holy Spirit. And so we decided to start vis- visiting churches that talked about the Holy Spirit. And he went to this first church and they asked if they could pray for him. And they tried to push him over on the ground and he didn't go. So he left that church and didn't go back and went to a second church. And they asked if they could pray for him and they tried to get him to repeat after them so he could pray in tongues. And that didn't work either. And he finally came to our church for an event we had and at that event, we introduced the phrase, actually, Ron Walborn was speaking, introduced the phrase expectation without agenda, which is the Alliance's, um, I think, statement on spiritual gifts. Right. He just said, we have expectation without agenda, and that just made all the walls go down. Mm. He said, okay, so you're not going to push me, you're not going to expect something, expect a specific manifestation, we're just expecting the Holy Spirit to do something, and right in our sanctuary, he had what we would call, you know, his crisis experience, uh, which is a definite moment of surrender. And <laughs> yes, uh, it is. Thank you for that word. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that process, he believed that the Lord imparted to him the gift of healing. And so he started praying for the sick and they started getting better. And wow. Two years later, after that, we hired him to be our associate pastor, and uh, his name is John Eric Santiago. He's been with us for almost four years, and you know I love that God used us in that, and we got to be part of that in his life. His wife, Emily, is currently in the Empower program in the Metro District, and we love having them around. There was one—this is a separate story—one time I got thrown out of a moving vehicle— uh, we were doing a construction project at the church, and they threw the debris in a dumpster, and then someone else was pulled their truck up to throw their debris in our dumpster, which is illegal in Philadelphia. And I don't know why I did this, but I jumped in the back of the pickup truck <laughs> as they sped off. And uh, when they took a turn, I went flying out and got a little road rash, popped right back up, which it's a good thing I did because my one-year-old son was home alone when that happened. So wow. a lot of weird stuff has happened in Philly but I won't get into all of that. I'm sure you're only scratching the surface on that for sure. I've heard some of those stories myself and I've, I have Jim and I've told you this before, but I have so appreciated how you went from being that person with a certain set of expectations, you know, and you know, and like a Proverbs, it says hope deferred makes our heart sick. And you go in with those expectations and they're not what they turn out to be. You could have given up, but instead you yeah. let the Lord shape you to be the pastor that that community needs. Amen. And I deeply respect you for that. And I thank God for you. That's actually one of the reasons I wanted to have you for this first of interviews, because you you represent what we want to do. Contextually, alliance, with alliance DNA in us, 
and I'm just thankful for that. So thank you, uh, my friend. So all those stories, all those adjusted expectations, tell us about some of the most valuable ministry lessons you've learned along the way. This might be specific to me because of my personality and my wiring, but something that God has really kept on the for- like the front burner of my mind and heart is to just resist cynicism, to not get jaded, to not lose hope. You know, as you get older, you're supposed to grow in wisdom, but I think sometimes the counterfeit of wisdom is cynicism. Mm-hmm. True. And you just kind of like give up hope, stop expecting things. You, almost, you can really rain on other people's parades. Mm. So I just, that's one lesson that I've had to learn is don't grow jaded because when you grow jaded, you, you know, I think actually the Bible would call that unbelief. Right. Mm. You know, we call it cynicism, but I think the Bible would call that unbelief. Um, so that's one thing is that I, as I grow older, I want to grow in wisdom, but I don't want to get cynical or skeptical or jaded. Um, so one of the things that I've had to learn to do is grieve. Uh, that's how you, I think, resist growing skeptical and cynical is mm-hmm. you, when the expectations don't work out, you grieve those expectations and then you adjust your expectations. Mm-hmm. I've also had to learn to be myself. Love it. This was a hard lesson I learned actually at Beulah Beach one year. There's just there's more anointing in being yourself than in trying to copy another person that is anointed. Um, oh, that's deep. Just be yourself, and yeah. the Lord's made you a certain way. Be that way. And then I would say one other thing is just that the only way this isn't even a ministry lesson. This is just a following Jesus lesson. Wholehearted devotion is the only way to do it. Mm. Um, Good word. Half-hearted, half-hearted devotion makes Christianity not enjoyable, not delightful. It causes burnout in ministry. A lot of, I think, a lot of burnout in ministry comes from wrong motives. It's not even. I mean, it might be from not having boundaries. It might be from working too many hours. But I think, why are we working too many hours, and why are we not having boundaries? Because maybe our motives are wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like wholehearted devotion to Jesus. I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. I'm not holding anything. I shouldn't be holding anything back. I can't say that I've, I always walk in wholehearted devotion, but that is what I aspire to. And I guess probably one of the broken records, you know, we all only have like five things we tell our churches over and over and over. And that's one of my five things. That is true. It's wholehearted devotion. Last question, Jim, as we uh, wrap it up here, tell us two or three things for which you thank God right now other than being on this podcast. Right. Okay. (laughs) I wish I had something more profound, but I really appreciate my family and my church. I mean, coming out of COVID and the coronavirus, I I often said to my wife, what do people without church families do in, in times like this? I don't even know how I would survive. So I'm grateful for my own nuclear family, my wife and my kids. If I'm going to be locked in a house for a year, these are the, you know, the four other people I'd want to be locked with. Yeah. I'm grateful for my church who uh, tried to move forward during a really weird time and gave me and the rest of our staff grace to try to figure out a really difficult season and to, you know, we were, we had bumps just like everybody else, but I was glad that like, you know, our jobs weren't on the line because of the bumps. 
And I think the last thing I'm expen uh, I'm grateful for is expensive Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got somehow addicted to like leather Bibles during the coronavirus. I think my midlife crisis is manifesting in expensive Bibles. <laughs> so really, that's enjoying. not surprising. I know that you and uh, James Connolly uh, share that yep. similar addiction, and I've seen yeah. some of his and some of yours previous to the corona. And uh, yeah, you do admire a good Bible, both in its— Yeah. I'm sure that helps you preach better sermons. Can't hurt. <laughs> That's a true statement. Jim, thanks for uh, taking the time to be with us today, and uh, love your story, love what God's done in your life and continues to do in and through your life. Appreciate the commitment that you and Kendra and your family have shown to advancing Christ's kingdom in uh, the city of Philadelphia. I hold you in high respect and deep appreciation. Likewise. And yeah, I know Alan does too. So uh, keep the faith and keep doing the things you're doing, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate being here. Well, Alan, I love Jim. And, I do too. Uh, 13 years of investment in a in an urban environment is no small thing. And he has been, a, has been steady at the wheel through all of that. Yeah, he's a good man. I love his love for Jesus. I love, uh, he's got great Alliance DNA. And uh, I loved him sharing just what he expected and how it was different and how the Lord led him to adjust to that, to be really fruitful with Jesus in Northeast Philadelphia. And if you don't adjust, and change your expectations. You don't make it 13 years, you probably in any environment, but you certainly not. not in the uh, urban environment. So that's the first of uh, these autobiographical interviews that we'll do with Alliance leaders. We'll uh, try to maybe one a season. That sounds like a great plan to me. This was a good start. And uh, so coming up next is, well, we don't have a clue. Season seven. And we don't have the plan in place yet. But we can tell you yes. that we'll be recording those from our new home. We will. We'll be recording those from uh, Columbus, Ohio, Reynoldsburg, Ohio, to be specific. And uh, we look forward uh, to that. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.